I'm going to marry an intelligent woman. So she knows exactly what she's doing, but she jumped in the lake with her ring on it. It's fine. No worries. Um, Ten minutes later, we were playing volleyball, you know, active, moving. Uh, Ten minutes later, I look at her left hand, and uh, I look at her and I said, hey, hey, babe, which that was weird, right? My parents hadn't heard me call her babe yet. Um, So that was weird in and of itself, but I said, hey, babe, where's your ring? Now, again, I'm, uh, guys, I married a smart woman, so I was like, she had to have taken it off, right? She had to have set it on the dock. Uh, she had to have realized, you know, maybe what she was doing wasn't the smartest thing in the world. So she had to have taken off her ring. And so I said, hey, where's your ring? And she looked at her left hand. That's a terrible sign. <laughs> and it's, go- it's gone. Her ring is gone. So we start looking in the water naturally, you know, hoping that it's sinking still, that we can see it, or that it's on the surface of the bottom of the lake, you know, hasn't quite gotten in the bottom of the sand yet. And uh, we put goggles on. We looked. We literally never found it. We never found her engagement ring. But I said at the beginning, this story told you something about Rachel and I. Uh... Here's the first thing. I am way smarter than that. Guys, the day after I proposed, I went on Amazon. I bought her a $3 rubber ring, and I said, babe, you wear this at the cabin. Okay? Real story. She did lose a ring, but it was just a, a silicone ring. No worries. No, no, no her, no foul. Come on. I'm smarter than that, guys. All right. Here's what, here's what we learned from that is that regardless if it's a $3 Amazon rubber ring, a real ring, a pair of sunglasses, we all hate watching something sink. Losing something at the the bottom of the lake, bottom of the ocean, we, we hate the feeling of grasping after the water just to see the thing we're grasping for fall through our fingers. But as we come here tonight, we all actually know the feeling of not only watching something sink, but feeling like we're the people that are sinking. We live in a post-COVID world where there's been a mental health crisis and we can feel like we're sinking. We live in a world that has an unsteady political climate. We can feel like we're sinking at times. We live in a world, especially as college students, that's full of pressures of the people we need to be, the expectations we need to live up to, that it can feel like we're sinking sometimes. And for some of you, it's not, this isn't just like a sometimes you feel like you're sinking, but you come into this place and, and you're feeling that right now. And so if that's you, I wanna, I wanna say a few things to you. Uh, specifically, if you're, if you're a freshman, uh, you maybe came to a, a big city that has a lot of universities, that has tall, large buildings in a, a and are currently in a place with big crowds, and you can feel like you're really insignificant. And so I want to teach you something of what we believe here at Saul Company. If that's how you're feeling, I want you to know that we see you and we care for you at Saul Company. That, that matters to us. And the reason we do that is because we believe that God sees you. We know, in fact, that God sees you and that God cares for you. And so no matter how you ended up here, whether you're comfortable in a place like this or uncomfortable in a place like this, 
Maybe it's your first time at a church-like event. What I want you to know is that we think you're here for a reason. That you're not here on accident. And so I want to just invite you back every week. We do this every week. Not typically on Fridays. Typically it's Thursdays at 8. But it's right here in this place. I know we had a little last-minute Last minute change of plans, but this is one of the pros of the last minute change of plans. You know where to be every week. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Come on. Someone's going to be there. But the best way to to introduce you to what we do at Salt Company, to what this event looks like Thursday nights at 8, is just to open the Bible and talk about Jesus. That's what we do every week. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to, to Mark 4. If you don't know where that is, you can start in the table of contents. It's about 80% of the way through your Bible, otherwise on your phone, otherwise it will be on the screens. But as you turn there, tonight we're going to talk about Jesus and how Jesus is the one who's with us in the storm. Funny enough, we moved locations because of a storm. Maybe that wasn't on accident. But how Jesus is with us in the storm, and the one who keeps us from sinking. This is Mark 4, starting in verse 35. This is what it says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Okay, so so what's happening here? Jesus is loading up his friends to go on a little journey, a little trip. They're they're likely going to sail five miles across the Sea of Galilee, but this is is a, a trip that they know well. Not only, like, his friends are, in fact, incredibly comfortable on a boat. A lot of them grew up fishermen. They grew up on a boat. They're, they're professionals at being on a boat. And storms were, in fact, really common in this region. Because around the Sea of Galilee is this mountainous region. And the Sea of Galilee sits really low in a valley. And so because of how winds interact with each other, some of you understand that. I don't. Uh, there, there ends up being uh, kind of like a wind tunnel on the Sea of Galilee that can cause big waves and can cause storms to come up abruptly. And so a a storm and sailing through a storm isn't actually uncommon for Jesus and and his friends, but this storm's different. Because they're not just sailing through a storm, they're sinking in a storm. Like you can imagine what it would be like to be on that boat. They start realizing that waves are coming into the boat, and so they pick up buckets and they start bailing water as fast as they can. Right, like they're yelling, they're screaming, they're jumping. They're they're just trying to get the water out of the boat, but they realize that the more they bail the water, the the faster water is coming in. Like this is a real storm. They're they're sinking, and so some of them are like now now frozen because it feels like bailing the water isn't working. So they're frozen in fear, terrified at what's going to happen. And then others of them maybe are are like gearing up to swim. Man, the only way I'm going to survive this storm is if I swim through it. Because my boat's going down. Others of them keep bailing water. They're, they're, there's chaos. There's chaos. So the question that these friends of Jesus are asking are, what, what do we do when we start to sink in the storm? 
Because bailing water isn't working. Do we, do we swim? Do we give up? What do we do? And that's the question that we have for us tonight. Is what do you do when you start sinking in the storm? What do you do when you start sinking in the storm? Because I'm wondering if there are people here tonight that, that actually feel like they're the ones sinking. No, you're not on a boat. Yeah, there's a little drizzle outside, but, but nothing too crazy. But I wonder if you're sinking from the weight of something else. If you're sinking from the, from the weight of something else going on in your life, something deeper. So I know this feeling of sinking I've been a Gopher fan for a long time, and a lot of boats have sank. But not this year. Come on. Not this year. All right. Uh, You guys are walking on dry ground to class, but I wonder if some of you are sinking from the stress of school. Maybe you're walking home from class, but I wonder if you're sinking from the pressures of performing well at your job. You come home from work just to lay in bed at night, and you're sinking when you ask yourself the question, will I ever amount to anything significant? You see, we don't have to be in a physical storm to feel like we're the ones sinking. Maybe you're putting your hope in someone or something to build you up, to be the thing that keeps you from sinking just to find that that same person or that same thing is just adding more weight, making it harder to stay above water. Maybe you're sinking because someone around you has hurt you. The, the pressure of broken relationships is weighing you down. And it feels like you're sinking. And so here's what we do. We go to colleges and universities with the hopes of learning how to swim. That maybe we can find out what we're good at. We can train at something to be significant. And then we'll figure out all that we can be. Then maybe we won't sink. But I think what you'll find on the other side of your college experience is not that you've learned how to swim, but that all your college experience taught you was actually there's just more weight to pull you down ahead of you. That after you graduate, work doesn't make it easier, it makes it a little harder. Finding that perfect someone won't necessarily make it easier, it can make it harder. And so when we sink, when we recognize that we're the ones sinking, we have one of two reactions. Everyone in this room has one of two reactions when you realize that you're sinking. You either freeze and give up, paralyzed by your fear, like some of the friends of Jesus, not knowing what to do, and maybe that fear and that's causing you not to move, not to do anything, is turning into a depression. Or the other thing we do is we try to swim. Try to find our significance somewhere. 
try to figure out how to be good at something, how to write a meaningful life into our story, and so we try to swim. But what we're going to find out is that swimming is really tiring. Here's how I know swimming is really tiring, because uh, when we grew up going to the cabin, uh, we used to go boating on the lake, super fun. Uh, and then when we were kids, we'd get probably 20 feet from the dock, and I, I'd look at my mom and dad, and I'd be like, Mom and Dad, can I just jump in and swim the rest of the way, right? Great way to close out the evening on the lake, refre refreshing, swimming the rest of the way. Here's what I learned, though. You can walk 20 feet, no problem. Feels, you feel great, you know, getting off the couch, walk into the refrigerator just to get an unhealthy snack. Um, you can run 20 feet incredibly quickly, like in seconds, but swimming 20 feet, at least for some of us, is really difficult. So I'm not going to blame that on my ability to swim or how in shape I am. I naturally Googled, why is swimming so hard? Google gave me some results. It's awesome. Every time. Uh, swimming is a full body workout. That's maybe obvious to, to some of you. Uh, if it's not a full body workout for you, if you don't use your legs, then swimming's really hard. Um, these are a couple things I didn't know. But the, the temperature of the water physiologically affects your body so that your body actually expends more energy when working in the water. Didn't know that. The other thing I didn't know is that swimming actually causes dehydration faster, which is really ironic. Surrounded by water, you're dehydrated. Some of you got it. Um, swimming, here's the point. Swimming makes you tired. It makes you exhausted, and so even if you think you can learn how to swim through the storm, you're just going to get to the other side exhausted. Finding out that maybe swimming through the storm wasn't actually worth it. So how will you respond when you start to sink? When inevitably storms in life hit and you feel like you're the one that's sinking, how will you respond? Will you freeze, paralyzed by fear, or will you start to swim, finding your significance somewhere else? Maybe you don't know why you're here. You don't know how you showed up here, piece of gum, friend picked you up, friend of a friend picked you up, got, a, got in a random car, showed up here. I don't know how you all ended up here. Um, got in a bus, come on. Uh, but maybe you came here hoping like, hey, I'm just going to check this thing out, and maybe the, the guy that talks is going to have some tip for me, how to get through college, how to swim, how to be significant, how to find meaning in something. But what I'm saying to you is maybe you didn't come here to learn how to swim. You came here to realize that you're sinking and that you need a better solution. So we're going to go back to the story, but what happens next in the story is exactly what I want to happen to you tonight. Not that you'd learn how to swim through the storm, but that you'd run to the one who can keep you from sinking. This is what Mark 4 says, verse 38. But he, that's Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Okay, so here's what's happening. Jesus' friends are bailing the water. Jesus is taking a nap. Uh, this is like the friend that 
rallies the troops to go on a road trip just to offer someone else's car for that other person to drive and then to take a nap in the back seat. Okay, so it's like, Jesus, what are you teaching your friends here? Goes on to say this. And they woke him up and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? It's like, yo, Jesus, we're dying. We're literally dying. We are sinking in this storm. We are going to die because none of us can swim through it. We're paralyzed by fear. Our fear is turning to depression. I'm not sure we can do it. Jesus, we need your help. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a, a great calm. See, Jesus met these terrified men, men that are terrified for their lives, not knowing where to turn, not knowing what to do, anxious, afraid, with three words, with three words, peace, be still. So similarly, I was in a storm in my life once, and that storm caused me to start sinking. It happened my freshman year of college at the University of Minnesota where I showed up and I I wanted to be something significant. I wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to have good grades and make it on the honor roll, but I quickly realized that my classes were actually really hard. And in order to keep up in my classes, I had to compromise work, but I didn't want to compromise work. So then I started working even harder just to start failing my friends. And then to try to keep up with my friends, I looked back and I couldn't keep up with work, and then I looked back and I couldn't keep up with my academics, and, and then a relationship that I had broke. And that was it for me. Like, if I was trying to swim up until that point, that was it. That was my hands in the air. I can't do it anymore. I'm sinking, paralyzed by fear, not knowing what to do. So afraid that my life was insignificant, that it wasn't going to matter, that I wasn't going to do something meaningful. I wasn't going to make a name for myself. That I was paralyzed by fear, unable to move. I couldn't work hard enough. I couldn't run fast enough. I couldn't achieve well enough. And ultimately, I just couldn't stop the world from being an overwhelming place where it felt like I was sinking. And then I was laying one night in my dorm bed in Pio Hall before it was redone. I wasn't bougie like that. Um, And I was laying there not knowing what to do next. And that's when Jesus met me with three words. Three words he said to my soul. He said, peace, be still. You see, when I was sinking in the storms of my life, Jesus met me with three words. And here's what I want you to know, is that Jesus can meet you in the storm too. That you don't have to swim through it. And what's true of me and true of you is that whether you know it or not, you're in a storm. Some of you have storms out there, broken relationships, grieving, 
tragedy, loneliness. You got storms out there, but what's true is everyone in this room has storms in here. Everyone in this room have storms inside of us that's causing us to sink. It's our self-righteousness, our self-loathing, our self-dependence. It's the understanding of people we should be, but our inability to be those people. It's our desire for meaning, something outside ourselves, but our inability to find it. We all have storms somewhere. So what's true is that everyone comes into this place in a storm, and everyone comes into this place speaking three words over their life. You spe- you're speaking three words over your own life. Some of you are trying to swim, and these are, the th- these are the types of three words that you're speaking. I'm good enough. It'll get better. I'm attractive enough. I'm intelligent enough. I'm happy enough. You're trying to convince yourself of something that you're not even sure is true of you. You're trying to swim through the storm, but you're sinking inevitably. Others of you have accepted defeat, not knowing what to do next, and you're speaking three words over your life as you walk in here. There are three words like this. I'm too broken. I'm too ugly. I'm too anxious, I'm too depressed, I'm too dumb. I can't do I can't do it. That's four, but you get it. As you walk into this place, the words that you speak over your life define you. It motivates you. It's the it's the thing that drives you. And it's the thing that will cause you to sink. Because you can't swim through the storm no matter how hard you convince yourself that you can. But tonight, right here in this room, right here in this room, Jesus can meet you with three words that will change everything about your life. Everything. Because when we let his three words define us, it changes everything about us to the core of our being. And so I just want to give you some of the words Jesus speaks in the Bible. Some three-word phrases Jesus uses. This, This is what he says. He says to the sinner, you are forgiven. He says to the one that's full of shame, child, you're healed. He says to the rebel, you are righteous. He says to the one who is alone, I'm with you. He says to the outsider, I'm for you. To the fearful, he says, don't be afraid. And to the discouraged, he says, I give life. And to everyone in this room, all of us, who can't stop the world from being an overwhelming place, from moving faster than we can keep up with it. He says this, he says, peace, be still. So what I want you to know is you don't have to wait until you're out of the storm. You don't have to wait until you're in the storm to look to Jesus and let Jesus speak three words over your life that will completely change everything. 
You just have to turn to him. You just have to be honest enough to say, Jesus, I'm sinking. I need help from outside the storm. You can't swim, but the words of Jesus can pierce through the storm and pull you out of it, keep you from sinking. And here's how he does it. He does it by taking your place in the storm. You see, because this is a real story about Jesus, but not the ultimate story about Jesus. So what Jesus was doing with his friends here was he was pointing them to something else he would do for them ultimately. So if this story's in Mark 4, the ultimate story's in Mark 15, where Jesus, for his friends and for us, walks up to a cross. And he takes on your brokenness and your hurt, your inadequacy, the feeling like you're sinking, like the world's overwhelming, like you can't quite keep up your sin. And he walks to the cross and he died so that you wouldn't have to drown. But then three days later, he rose from the grave so like Jesus, you can rise from your sinking sea. That's what he does for you. He's the light to those who are in the dark. He's the hope to those that are hurting. He loves the unlovable and he invites the outsider. Your goodness isn't good enough to please him. But your brokenness is not bad enough to detract him. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who meets you in the storm, not with pressure to swim, but with a hand of salvation to pull you right out of it. So here's how we're going to end tonight. We're actually going to end tonight exactly how the friends of Jesus end the story in Mark chapter 4. This is what it says. They ask this question. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here's the question the friends of Jesus are asking. Who is Jesus? Funny, it's a, it's a three-word question. Who is Jesus? And here's what I'm saying. During your four years here, at school, you're going to answer some crazy questions. Like, I met some of you. You guys are pre-med. You guys are engineers. You guys do crazy things, and you're going to have crazy hard tests. You're going to answer really significant questions on tests, but you're also going to answer really significant questions outside of tests. Like, what kind of major are you going to have? What's the type of person you're going to be? What's the trajectory of your life? But here's what I want to tell you tonight is that the most important question you will ever ask yourself is who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who's the one that meets you in the storm? Who's the one that can save you from sinking? Who's the one that can speak words over your life that change everything about you to the core of your being? Because I think if you give him a chance, he'll surprise you. He won't condemn you, he'll love you. He won't crush you, he'll lift you up. You can't outrun him, you can't outsmart him, you can't outperform him, but you can say yes to him. And you can let him speak three words over your life that will change everything. He's the son of God, he's the savior, he's the redeemer. He's the one that brings peace to turbulent souls. That's who Jesus is. And so, would you learn about Jesus with us? 
That's what we do every week here at Salt Company. We try just over a short period of time to answer this question, who is Jesus? So would you learn about him with us? Let's pray. Here we are, God. In this place, filled with people, and yet some of us are in storms. And we're not just in storms, but we're sinking. And we can't swim. We're paralyzed by fear, but we need help from outside the storm. And Jesus, you are outside the storm. We need salvation. So meet us right now, Jesus, with three words that change everything about our lives. That our greatest ambition would be to answer the question, who is this Jesus? God, speak words over us now. Would we turn to you? Would we say yes to you? God, would you shake us to the core of our being so that we could know you and be known by you? God, show us more of who you are, more of what you say, and more of all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.